welcome back to the Hot Girl Diaries podcast, or maybe not welcome back, maybe welcome if you're new here. If you're new here, my name is Shira. I am a 20-year-old university student who lives in Montreal. I'm studying kinesiology. I make a lot of recipes on TikTok and Instagram, and I talk about some lifestyle things. On this podcast, I talk a lot about more... Whoa. Okay, I have like major brain fog right now because I have COVID. It's also why my voice might sound a little bit meh but basically we talk a lot about lifestyle things like health and wellness as well as just like regular college things confidence being a hot girl which means being confident and living your best life and loving yourself and doing things in a way that just make you happy and make your life the best it is possible to be that's who i am and on today's episode i am so 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 excited to say that i'm speaking with eli rallo who is literally probably my favorite if not my favorite one of my favorites content creators that exist on the internet because she's just so down to earth and open and funny and gives amazing advice that I personally take so I wanted to introduce you guys to her if you haven't heard of her which I'm sure you have and also just like wanted to talk to her and have her on my podcast so that's today's episode and we talk a lot about um, just like some things that I've taken from her like her rules and her hot girl archetypes and some of her advice specifically for the college girls because that's what this podcast is for is like wellness in college I'm literally out of breath I act (laughs) besties if you have had COVID you know that it makes you lose your breath a little bit sometimes and not in a good way anyway I'm gonna stop talking because this is too much for me. But basically, I would love for you guys, if you enjoyed today's episode, to, if you're new here, listen to my other episodes, rate my podcast, leave a review if you're feeling a little spicy, a little bit like you want to, you know, write something nice. Don't write anything mean, but leave a review if you want to write something nice and definitely subscribe. So without further ado, to my greatest pleasure and joy and peak of my career probably. Let me introduce you to Eli Rallo. Hi Eli, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I'm so happy to have you. Thank you for having me. How are you today? I'm doing well, Uh, just trying to get back in the swing of things post new year and everything, but I'm good. How are you? Yeah, pretty much same. I just got back to Montreal. I was visiting home in Vancouver. I got in like last night at 3 a.m. So I'm kind of tired today, but I'm okay. <laughs> You're bouncing back. Yeah, I'm trying to. You are obviously like a content creator. That's your job. Why did you become a content creator and how did you do that? So it's actually funny. I like wasn't trying. And I think that's like most people's success stories. I always say that I feel like unless you're in like cooking or fashion, if you're like a lifestyle content creator, I don't think anyone tried. And I might be like making that up because a few people probably did, mm-hmm. but I think a lot of us just stumbled into it. I think part of me always wanted to do this, but never found the words to describe what it is I want to do because I think that, and I would laugh at someone too, if they were like, my dream is to be an influencer. I would be like, okay, like why? Like you yeah. want people to be obsessed with you? I, I think I always wanted to create content and I was like doing that actively, but had no word to describe like what I wanted from that. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was really like a random viral moment that spiraled into today. So it wasn't that I was really trying. um, It was kind of random, which I'm so grateful for. Like, it's so weird. Like, 
butterfly effect, how it works and like the things that we end up doing based on like random happenstance occurrences. But yeah, it was really random and I love it now. I'm so happy now. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I, I feel like for me, I'm obviously like getting into the content creation stuff. And like you said about cooking, that's a big thing that I do is I make recipes, but I also do like lifestyle stuff. So it's a bit different, I would say. What is like the main thing that you try to share on your social media or like the main messages that you try to get across? Yeah, I always say to people that I don't want to be an influencer because I think it's kind of like skeevy to want to influence people to buy things. Mm -hmm. But what I do want to do is create content that influences people to feel good about themselves and positive and confident about their life. And if that means buying a face mask that I use or a skincare product that I use or buying a sweater, because I suggested that it might look really good on you or like purchasing a pair of shoes because it might elevate you. I think like that's the kind of stuff that I like to do because my whole goal is to like make people feel better and just make people feel comfortable like in their own skin. And if I can influence someone to feel that way, then that to me is success. So I really like try to stray from the word influencer because I never feel like I'm trying to influence anyone to do anything other than to just feel good about themselves. Or maybe it's just like influencing them to smile and maybe like whatever I was talking about that made them smile or laugh or feel good for like five seconds, then causes them to be like, what kind of perfume do you wear? And then buy it. Right. You know? So I, I, I think that that's really like the main thing that I'm trying to do the most. Yeah. I totally bought an F me sweater after you were talking about it. Do you want to explain what that is? Cause you mentioned sweaters. Yeah. It's, it's really funny. So I, I'm very like an observant person. I had an ex-boyfriend one time being like, you look at the world the way I've never seen someone. And I think it's because I grew up in theater I was so used to like playing a character that like when I was a child, I would always like pretend to be someone else while I was walking around. Like imagine I would be like, imagine if I was like a rich divorcee when I was like 10 (laughs) and like, what would that look like while I was walking down the street? Or like, imagine if I was like a boarding school student who just showed up at a new school, I would always do that. And I think it's caused me to like look around at the world as like a, a very observational thing. And so I like notice things that I think other people don't. And so this one time my roommate was going on on a first date and it was like her first date in a while. And she was wearing this like red sweater and she looked really pretty and just mm-hmm. effortless. And I like triggered a thought that like whenever I would go on first dates in college and stuff, I would try so hard to look so mm-hmm. sexy and it would just be too much and unnecessary and like almost immature. Like, of course you can look sexy and everyone should look how they want to look. But I just felt like I looked immature wearing like a forever 21, like crop top that showed like all titty and all skin. Like my personality is what matters. And she looked beautiful and like hot in the sweater. And so she left. And then like a few days later, I was in an influencer event and I was drinking and like, I didn't have that much to talk about with like whoever I was with. And I was like, I always find myself like making jokes or being funny whenever I'm first of all around alcohol, but also around people that I don't normally hang out with. Mm -hmm. And so I was talking and I was like, no, the one way to get someone to fuck you on a first date or like to get someone to fall in love with you is to wear a fuck me sweater. Right. And I changed it to acne because, you know, PG-13. And the person was like, that's brilliant. And I was like, well, it's just this thought of like, it is so hot. And my brother, like straight male was like, no, this is so true. Yeah. It's so hot. When someone shows up looking like effortlessly hot without showing like any skin or without trying too hard. Like it's so sexy when someone wears something that looks so good on them, but has nothing to do with like how it accentuates their body in any sexualized way. And it's like just a sweater. Yeah. Um, 
And that's why I think like the whole concept of it is that it's whatever sweater that you put on and you're like, this looks so good on me. Like it has nothing to do with if you go on the date and the person starts complimenting your sweater or like if your roommates say it looks so good on you, it's more so that like you put on this sweater and you're like, this is my sweater. Like I've never felt so good. And maybe that to you is something with like a deep V or like a cutout back or like some lace, or maybe it's like a literal turtleneck, which might be what it would be for me. And then I started realizing that like I went and visited my brother at school and we went out and I wore a turtleneck and I was like, I just feel hot. Like I didn't have to try to do this and I look hot and I'm wearing a literal turtleneck. And like from there, I was like, this is just revolutionary. Like you can dress however you want to dress. Like you don't have to be showing as much skin as possible to look sexy. And also like a sweater could be like the key to making someone fall in love with you. And it was just fun too, because it's accessible. Like everyone can go buy a sweater. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's kind of how it was born. And it's kind of like funny, but it's true. I'm totally like a lace bodysuit, Melina pants on the first date type of vibe. But like, since I've gotten the F me sweater, I'm like, not doing that anymore. Yeah. It's so funny. Like I used to be like that too. And it's like, then you get to know the person like on the third date, you're wearing your turtleneck or your sweatshirt and jeans. And it's like, they're going to fall in love with that person, not the person Mm -hmm. on the first date. So what if you were just that person from day one? And you know what, if you are like glam, glammed up every day, like go to the first date glam, like go to the first date, how you present normally. It's kind of like my thing. And I love sweaters. So it just felt like a fit. (laughs) Yeah, no, I totally agree. Okay. We went on a little bit of a tangent, but back onto social media, you make your living that way. Do you feel like social media is inherently toxic or like, what are some ways that you make it a more positive place? Cause I think for a lot of people, it's not. Yeah. It's actually funny that you asked that and I can't like give full details, but I am giving a talk, um, in February about like social media toxicity mm-hmm. and how I specifically think that people are so quick to say it's Instagram and TikTok's fault, but it isn't like mm-hmm. Instagram is the vehicle on a highway to hell. And it is not the gas in the car. It is not even the road. Like we live in a heteronormative patriarchal society that forces everybody, not just women to conform, to look a certain way in order to be accepted. Mm -hmm. And because the standard is so unattainable in real life, we decide that we can fake ourselves on social media because it's the most tangible way that we could actually make it there. So like if I could face tune myself and whiten my teeth and like make myself look tanner with a filter and make myself look skinnier with an angle and all these things and put that up on Instagram, that's the closest I'll ever get to the societal beauty standard because I can't get it in real life. Right. And so I think that that's like, you pull back that has nothing to do with Instagram. It's just the vehicle with which we're getting there. So on some level, yeah, Instagram is at fault because it is the vehicle, but it isn't the impetus. And I think it's really important to like pull back and understand that before you go after the apps. Because I also think like, imagine if we didn't have them in a time of pandemic and imagine if we were living in isolation without any way to connect to each other. Like, I don't know what my pandemic would have looked like without TikTok. And I don't, pretend like these apps haven't affected me negatively because they have Mm -hmm. and they used to like very majorly but then I realized that it's like kind of bullshit like yeah why would I want to put out this like hyper curated version of myself and then show up in real life and be nothing like that and like why would I want other people to think that that's who I am when I hold myself to such a higher standard of integrity and so I think after realizing that I kind of was like I I don't think this is toxic because we all have the agency to set boundaries. And like, I think I basically got an eating disorder because of fitness influencers telling me like, you can eat a cookie and then they show you the cookie and it's made out of dates and seeds. And I'm like, but that's not a cookie. You're just telling me I can eat dates and seeds. Like I want a fucking chips ahoy. Like 
I think people like that, like giving unsolicited advice without any sort of degree to do so, like, I think that was toxic for me. And it's not for everybody. Some people might love those people. And so I blocked them all because I was like, (laughs) I can't do this. I think boundary setting is really healthy. Like I say to people all the time, like if my content triggers you, just block me. Oh yeah. I'm a big fan of the block button. Just block me. Like just mark uninterested. Like I'm not upset by that because I understand that boundaries are necessary. So I think if you can like, and I know some people can't do that. I know it's hard, but I think it's like, that's my number one piece of advice to like block that out is like when content isn't serving you, you shouldn't be consuming it. Mm-hmm. And it's sad because there's a lot of dangerous content on the internet, but I just hope that everybody is, you know, has enough wit about them to be able to block that kind of stuff. If they, you know, if it's really impacting them negatively. Yeah. 100%. And I feel like for me, I had a similar experience with fitness influencers and like I've since unfollowed them all and I still follow a lot of like health influencers but that have a lot more positive outlook on things and like things that I align with and I also used to follow a lot of Instagram models and one day I just went and unfollowed all of them and I was like actually why did I follow these people they didn't do anything for me other than like look good or like look how I wanted to look. Yeah. And it's like, I don't want to villainize like these fitness influencers, but like, I do personally know a few who do it. And it's like, you're not helping because like saying something like just throw out your scale. I'm so glad that worked for you, but I have an eating disorder. Right. Like maybe you had one too, but you can't be giving eating disorder advice on the internet without telling people that you're not a doctor. Like I've never once seen those people. Like if anyone asks me for eating disorder advice, I preface everything with, I am not a doctor this is a medical diagnosis. Mm-hmm. It is just as much a medical diagnosis as the flu. Right. You need to go to a doctor, period. You have to. I would never just like give advice without saying that. And I watch them do it every single fucking day. And it's like, this isn't good. This is so like, it makes me so upset. And I'm so glad I was able to free myself from that. But I know a lot of people weren't able to or aren't able to. Yeah. And I feel like nutrition and eating disorders, anything in that area is something that a lot of people just feel like they have authority over because everybody eats but like there are people in this world who have been trained to know about this stuff and address this stuff appropriately so I totally agree with you on that you also make your social media very casual which I love and I've like been making my social media more casual how do you just like be vulnerable and you're so open on your social media and casual about it how do you do that and like not care what people think yeah I think it's like a two-part thing so the first part about not caring what people think I think is like a wider situation like if you still care about what people think in real life you're going to care about what they think on the internet and of course I'm not like fully absolved from this like almost every day of my life I struggle with like caring about hate comments but I think, you know, absolve it, like freeing myself from caring what people thought about me because I realized like, okay, if I stopped giving a fuck, whether or not people liked me, mm-hmm. let's just say I did that. And a bunch of people decided they didn't like me anymore. Mm-hmm. Were they worth it? No. Right. And so I also re- realized if I lost every single friend that I had, which would never happen, but let's just say that's the worst case scenario mm-hmm. being authentic. I have a loving family. I have a loving boyfriend and I'm going to figure it out. Yeah. And I'm going to make new friends who actually value me. Why the hell would I want to be around people who would walk away when I was honoring my own life and being authentically me? So I think that was part of like getting to a place where I didn't care about social media. But I was actually talking to Tinks when I first met her and we were having a conversation about like a lot of bigger content creators have a moment where they decide if they're all in or not. Mm -hmm. And I think it's specifically with lifestyle creators, like really nothing's off limits for me except for when it involves another person is what I always say. Mm-hmm. So like no one's going to know the inner workings of my full family dynamic or my relationship or my friendships. But when things don't involve somebody else, everything's on the table. 
And you have to decide whether or not you want to do that because it's a big undertaking and you can't go back. And if you say you're an open book, you have to be. Right. And obviously I'm allowed to not share every little dirty detail of my life, but I'm saying like in general. And I think for her, she was telling me it was like whenever someone asked if she'd ever like fallen in love with a friend before. And then she like told the story about how her friend broke her heart. She said she was in love with him and he said he didn't reciprocate feelings and she was like crying in her car. Mm -hmm. And for me, I one time made a video about food and someone commented and said, I wish I could do this, but I have binge eating disorder. And I think that was my moment of realizing that if I shared like my own story and struggles, I could help other people to feel better. And once I, when I decided to commit to doing that, it was kind of a big like taking on for me because I had never really discussed those issues outside of maybe a therapist or maybe my mom like commenting that she thought that I was struggling, but nobody else ever. And so to say it to like 100,000 people, which is like how many followers I had back then Mm -hmm. was like a huge deal. Yeah. But I think that was my moment. And I think a lot of us have those moments where they decide, I think it's probably really common with like YouTubers or any other lifestyle creators. Because I think people that are like doing comedy content or again, food or fashion. And like, that's what they do. Mm -hmm. I think it's a little different because those people might not, you know, be revealing every little dirty detail of their lives. But I think that those of us that do lifestyle content, we decide if we want to set a boundary or if we don't. And so I think it was like that choice for me and the best person that's ever put that into words is tanks for sure. Yeah, no, I think that's really good advice. And I love what you said about losing everyone. If you're being authentic, it's like, well, then you didn't really have them to begin with. So yeah, then they weren't good people to begin with. And like, if you trust that you surrounded yourself with like an amazing group of people, then you should be good. (laughs) If you like try to be yourself. Yeah, 100%. Okay. Can you describe, this is the Hot Girl Diaries podcast. So can you describe the Hot Girl archetypes and how you would know like which one you are? Yeah. So that was also like kind of a random thing. I was thinking about like, I don't remember what it was. Like, I was just thinking about how like, I have always like my whole life, like wanted to be the like archetype of elusive hot girl. And like, that was somebody in my head already, like this type of girl that's like effortlessly gorgeous and like is always just like on it. And like, she is born that way. Like I was like, you know, the girl that in your high school, everyone liked her. Cause she was like super nice yeah, and also like super hot and super cool. And you're like, why you, but I can't hate you. Cause you're a sweetheart. And it like sucks that I can't hate you. Yeah. So I always like knew that girl and I wanted to be that girl, but like, it was never going to happen. I couldn't get there. And I was like, but wait, like there's that girl, like she exists and it's a type of person. Like, and so everybody can like name the person, like 100%. That's the girl. Like that's the prom queen. And it's a nice prom queen. Like she's not like the Serena Vanderwoods and Blair Waldorf prom queen. She's like the, I don't know, like the Teddy from good luck, Charlie, like the beautiful, like just sweetheart that everyone likes. And so I like was like, well, if I can't be that, cause I'm not that like, what am I then? And cause I do feel like I'm like a hot girl. Like I do like hold myself in that way. And so I started looking at like the canon of like female slash like friendship groups and like movies and TV and started to like slowly form the ideas around it. Because I think once you look at it, it's like really, really applicable. And also many of us do have like three to four person friend groups. And because there's like five types, like almost everyone fits into one. Right. And so I did it and then it just really blew up specifically on Instagram. I don't know why. Like, I think everyone just loves something that's interactive. Yeah. I think it's fun. And everyone loves like a label in a weird way. Like yeah. they're like, Oh, I'm such a, so why people like astrology. Yeah, exactly. That's so true. So there's, you describe the elusive hot girl. You are an ironic hot girl. Yes. What is an ironic hot girl? So the ironic 
one is more so about like attitude. Well, the, the other four are all about attitude. Like they don't really focus on love. Okay. But the ironic one is like somebody that their personality is so sexy that it makes them the hottest person in the room. Like they're just funny and like, they're always like on the bit, like they commit to it. And then maybe they don't have a ton of friends and they're like a little bit awkward, but like, they're like an SNL. They're like a cast member of SNL. Like those are all ironic hot girls to me. Or like, they're usually like the main character, I feel like. So like trying to think okay. of a good example. Like like Jess from New Girl. I think she would be a weird hot girl because she's weird. She is weird. She is really weird. Like, yeah, she's definitely a weird hot girl. Okay. I think like Monica from Friends is a good one because like on some level she's hotter than Rachel because her personality is just like so funny and like all over the place. Or like trying to think of some other like, shows that have multiple oh like Blair Waldorf would be an ironic hot girl right and Serena would be elusive because she's pretty really really pretty and like just hot and like that's her thing and like she's also like just cool and everyone likes her and she's like nice but Blair is like she has to try so hard to like make the situation work and it works and like many times she walks into a room and it's like you're so fucking hot like Mm -hmm. you are like not like you're kind of like you look normal like you're pretty but like your personality is like out of control like you're clever and witty and funny and you commit to the bit and you don't care and you're like her whole shtick is being a bitch but she knows it I feel like ironic hot girls like know what what their thing is like yeah they know their content and they stick to it and it's like their whole personality so I feel like she's a good example of one I'm trying to think there's some others like um Mia from the princess diaries like is so hot but like in the beginning you're like you're not hot but like she is like she's the best most funny, clever, witty personality. It's like th- that kind of thing. Okay. And then weird hot girl is like just weird. Like Jess Day or Phoebe Buffay, like very like quirky, funny, like mom friend vibes. And then what are the other two? Um, Party hot girl and then doesn't know it. Okay. Love that. So everyone can go to Eli's Instagram stories. I think you have a highlight. I have a BuzzFeed quiz too. That like really blew up on BuzzFeed. So you can definitely go there. Oh my God. Amazing. Okay. Everyone go find out what hot girl type you are. Cause it's super. Yeah. Funny. You can easily find it out. It's so fun. What about your rules? Cause I, that's how I found you is through your rules videos. I know you originally I think you blew up from your jar videos, but I didn't know you then. So what are your favorite or most important rules? Because they're literally like my Bible. It's a good question. I really like um, the ones for days of the week because I think it can be super easy to be like, I live for the weekend and like, I only like Friday, Saturday and Sunday, or I only like Friday and Saturday. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of sad because like 90% of your week is not Friday and Saturday or Friday night and Saturday during the day. Like most of your week is not that time. And there's no one like telling you that just because you're working a nine to five or you have tasks to do that you can't also do little things to make it fun. And I feel like that's part of what the rules are. They're about like honoring your life by finding like very tangible ways to spice it up. And instead of being like, oh, I have to do my laundry this week. It's like, oh, it's laundry Tuesday. Like I'm getting my shit done. I always loved the to-do list because I felt like I would like wake up and be like, I got to do it. And like, there's something so satisfactory about just like crossing the things off. So if you have like a, a list that's like part task, but part fun, like you have to clean your floors, but you get to have a margarita tonight. Yeah. Or like you get to listen to Taylor Swift all day, but you have to go to the post office. Like it's really fun way to make sure you're getting your shit done, but also having a good time. It's like a good balance of like work hard, play hard attitude. I love that way of putting it. Cause I'm such a to-do list person. Like I wake up in the morning. I'm like, these are things I need to do today, but I've never thought to incorporate things that I like really would just like, like to do or just random fun things. Yeah. Because it's like, I was saying this earlier, like people always ask me like, how do you stop worrying about the future? 
And I'm like, imagine if you were worrying about tomorrow, but today was your last day on earth. And you spent the whole day being like, tomorrow I have to do this. And then like, if it's not your last day on earth and you go to bed tonight being like, oh, tomorrow I have to do this. Then you're going to wake up just so pissed in a terrible mood. Like what if you just didn't do that? Like, what if you just lived for today and then tomorrow is tomorrow? And of course you like are forward thinking and your goal setting and you have plans for the future, but you're not sitting around all day, like devastated about the future or thinking about it like that. Yeah. And that's such good advice because everyone's always like, oh, live in the present, live in the present. But it's like, how? how? Like nobody tells you how to live in the present and like you give the how. What about rules for being hot? I mean, we described like the hot girl archetypes, but rules for just being a hot girl in general. So I think, and I was saying this recently, like, I think there's a lot about like feeling hot and feeling pretty that has nothing to do with your looks. And there's part of it that has Mm -hmm. something to do with how you make yourself feel when you look in the mirror. And so like, I love to dress up, like I love my clothes and I love putting on dresses, but I dress for myself and not for other people. And it makes me feel hot. And I love makeup. I love to do my hair Mm -hmm. and I'm a very feminine person. And I think that all of these things like make me feel really hot. So like while being hot has absolutely nothing to do with how you look, it has a a little something to do with looking in the mirror and loving what you see. And I think that that's important balance because it has a lot to do with our personality. But when I wake up and I look like a slob, I feel like shit. Yeah. And I always used to say to my mom, like, you know, when you get a really shitty cold and on the third day of the cold, you're like improving. That's when I always will take like a shower and put on jeans because you feel so much better when you've been sick and in bed and wearing like dirty clothes, when you like get dressed. Oh my God. 100%. And you're like, I can run an errand. So I think like that's a part of it. And then I got my lips done yesterday and I was saying this, like I I'm a big advocate for when you love and embrace your flaws. And like one of mine is that my smile is super gummy. Like my gums are like this thick and my teeth are like that big. And I always like would embrace it, even though I saw it as a flaw, but also there's something to be said about if you can make a change that will make it better for you and you look in the mirror and you'll feel happier for yourself and not because somebody else told you to do it that's like equal to embracing your flaws to me and so I think like being a hot girl is realizing that like confidence is the number one thing that makes you hot and sexy like I always say this like in college I never got rejected from hooking up with a guy not because I'm the hottest girl there there were hotter girls hitting on the same guys like physically more attractive but because I'm bold and like audacious and funny and confident. And I'll walk in there and be like, that's mine. Yeah. And I'm going to get it. And I'll take it home with me unless he has a girlfriend. And then I'm not doing it because we don't do that. But like, that was always my attitude. And like, it came out as like, she's hot because of her confidence. It has nothing to do with how she, yeah. because if we objectively did a test, who's the hottest here, I wasn't winning. But when my confidence was like there and on, I could get what I wanted. And I like realized so much that being a hot girl to me is just being confident and like, and surrounding yourself with positive energy because we do the law of attraction and like positive, positive energy and positivity attracts good things. And that's like my number one thing about being hot. I think. Yeah. I would say the same. We talk about it all the time on this podcast that being hot is literally just like all about confidence. And I have a whole episode about it actually, which is a few episodes ago. Let's talk a little bit more about like college specifically, because I'm in university right now. And I think a lot of my listeners are. Yeah. So you've talked a lot about like Greek life and your college experience on your social media. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Sure. So I went to the university of Michigan in Ann Arbor. Um, And I loved college. I think something that I always tell people is that 
I really don't subscribe to the idea that college is the best four years of your life. Mm -hmm. I think it's really toxic because imagine you live to 99 and you're on your deathbed and the nurse asks you, what was the best year of your life? And you say 21. (laughs) That is fucking pathetic. Like you lived to 99 and the best year of your life was 80 years ago. No, like we're not doing that. Like my dream is to be on my deathbed and be like, damn, I fucked at 45. Like I was looking good. It was the best year. And I want my life to be like every year gets better or every year is the best. Every year has something great. And I think it's so hard when we tell college kids going into college, college is supposed to be the best four years of your life. You get there and it sucks because the first year always sucks. Yeah. And, and that's why kids go crazy. And they're like, should I transfer? I hate this. I hate college. Why do you think? Because everyone told them it was going to be the best year of their life and it fucking blew. Yeah. And I think like it's so important to realize that college is a formative four years where you learn a lot about yourself and you start molding like the putty of who you are to really become someone, but it's not the best four years. <laughs> and you know what? If you live to 99 and you say 21 was the best mazel tov, I'm so happy for you. That's awesome. But I just think it shouldn't be what we aspire to. If that's how it shakes out, great. But why wouldn't we want to aspire for each year to get better? And I always say that like 22 for me was a better year than all four of college years combined. Yeah. And so that's like my number one thing about college. And I loved my college experience, but I'm not going to say it was easy. Like it was the growing pains were really hard and the maturing and growth that I did and the things that I went through were just tough. And like, I think that's really normal and not spoken about. Um, yeah. And one of those things was Greek life. And I have talked about this at nauseum so many times. And I think for me, it's like, I'm not going to tell people not to join it because it exists. But I think that it's hard to be the bigger person and everyone wants to belong. But when you look at it, I think my best thing that I could say is imagine if I came on your podcast today and I was like, I have a great idea. Do you want to hear it? We're going to line all these people up, 18 year olds, and we're going to sort them into groups based on who's the hottest, richest, has the coolest travel and is like the most social and could get the most guys. And then we're going to make them pay to be in the group. And if you're fat, not white, not rich or weird or quiet or shy, you're not getting in. You're going to get into a bad one. And there's going to be a ranking system. And the best ones are going to be all pretty white girls. And then the worst ones are going to be girls that are not conventionally the idea of society's beauty standard. Yeah, it's literally insane. There would literally be riots. Can you imagine? There would be literal riots. And then what if I shared to you like the statistics of sexual violence and the amount of frat boys that have died from hazing deaths and pledging? you would be like, there's riots. It would go to the Supreme Court. And so my biggest thing is just because something's tradition doesn't make it okay. And just because something is tradition and has been there for hundreds of years does not mean that we should be complacent and let it stay. Like just because it's been around doesn't mean it's an okay thing. And I feel really guilty that I participated because I watched blatant classism, racism, fat phobia, homophobia before my eyes and I stayed there. And I stopped participating in Rush only to be fined hundreds of dollars for not showing up. Yeah. And I eventually realized that like I was going to be hated for leaving and speaking out, but I didn't give a fuck because just because something's comfortable because I'm white, conventionally pretty and come from a rich family doesn't mean that it's okay. And doesn't mean I should sit there and reap the benefits when other people just simply can't and have been very much so harmed. And so I think that's my biggest takeaway. And I don't want to destroy a lot of girls will DM me and be like, don't hate me. I'm an 80 pie. And I'm like, I don't hate you because you're in a sorority. Like, that's not it, queen. I think it's really fucking weird. The people that want to be rush chairs and pledge masters. I'm like, so you're just, do you get off on people's pain? Like, that's so weird to me. But beyond that, I get it. I joined it too. Yeah. I reaped the benefits 
too. I just, I just pulled back and was like, whoa. And I'm not trying to be morally superior. I just like, I had a moment that a lot of us have and I chose not to ignore it. Mm-hmm. And I think it's hard to do, but I implore people to just walk away from it because the only way that we're going to topple it over is if we talk about it. Um, but yeah, it was definitely interesting. And at a big 10 school, it's crazy. Yeah. So I never have been in a sorority or involved in Greek life at all. I think it's not as big of a thing in Canada. Like obviously it still exists and I know people in sororities and frats, but like, it's not nearly as bad as far as I'm aware. Um, but what you were saying about like first year, like when I came to university, I was like, had all these crazy ideas of what my life was going to be like. And then it wasn't like that. Yeah. And I wanted to transfer. I was like, oh, it'd be better if I just go home, like go back to a school that's like near my house. And then I didn't end up transferring. And I stayed here and like now in third year, I'm a completely different person and yeah. like have grown so much. And obviously that's come with a lot of challenges and pain but like worth it because it's yeah I agree formative I think that saying it's the most formative years of your life is really accurate yeah I think it's helpful too because then you don't feel bad if you didn't have the best time of your life yeah or like what if like your family can't afford it and you go to community college and you're sitting there like this is supposed to be the best four years of my life and I'm living at home and I feel like I'm behind and like maybe that's not your experience but someone was talking to me recently that's in community college and she was saying I just feel behind and I was like I promise you they're not having that much fun and like girl, you're not going to have debt. Like, <laughs> I was like, you're going to have your own formative experience and they're having theirs and theirs is not better than yours or vice versa. And like, no one is superior, but the whole narrative of it is really destructive for mm-hmm. people. Yeah. I saw on your story today, actually, um, somebody asked about being in college during this pandemic, especially like in this recent surge, what would be your advice for making the most of it? Personally, I would love some advice because yeah. like I'm very yeah. down about it, especially because last semester things were a lot yeah. better and they've just like completely shut down again. Yeah, I think so. I think it's okay to have the woe is me moment and everyone should wallow in their own way. And I had that, like, you know, I, I graduated in 2020. So like I got sent home for my senior year Mm -hmm. and I had the woe is me moment for like two months and I was depressed and really sad. And like, I felt like my life was over, but then I pulled back and I was like, every single college senior in the world is experiencing the same thing. Mm -hmm. It's not like a special situation where it's just me because I think it's a lot harder when it's just you. There is nothing we can do this is what it is. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, well, there are things we can do, get vaccinated and right. wear a mask, but like, your circumstance and the one I was in, there's nothing we can do. So we have two options. We can either do the woe is me game for the entire time and ruin the opportunity we have to make something out of nothing. Mm-hmm. Or you can say, this is shitty, but we're going to make it rock. Like we're going to be creative. And in 20 years, I'm going to tell my kids about the time a global pandemic threatened to draw like destroyed my college experience and I didn't let it Mm -hmm. because I found unique ways. Like it's so much more fun when you have to find a unique way to get around a challenge than just walking straight over the bridge. Like it's so much fun when you have to take a detour, like detours are where life happens. And yeah, this is a fucking shitty detour. Like I wish that we weren't in this detour. Nobody wants to be, Of course. but you say like, this is the worst detour ever and I'm done. And I'm just going to stand here and wait for it to be over and just like, let it all happen and be depressed. Or you can say, I'm going to take this detour and like see something new and try something different and like just be unique about how I'm going to make this work. And I feel really sorry for all of us that have been in college throughout this time. But I also think we're going to look back on it and be like, oh my God, like we were the, we were the COVID college kids. Like, yeah, a unique breed. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. I think also one thing that I want to add, I think everyone can agree the pre is better than the party. Oh yeah. So like, 
if you're allowed to have small gatherings, I mean, it. it's not that bad. Yeah. Enjoy it. Yeah. Parties aren't even fun. Like, come on, guys. it's 2021. We're all about the pregame. <laughs> totally. What about dating in college or like going from like hookups, casual dating relationships in a hookup culture college world? Yeah. I think you have to kind of categorize what you're looking for, because if you go out to a frat party or a bar, I mean, people do, but you're probably not meeting the love of your life in college. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a boyfriend that I met in like a frat setting and like, we didn't even go on dates, but we were like dating. And like, I look back on mm-hmm. it and I'm like, the fuck? I feel like it happens <laughs> a lot. Like you're like this, yeah, totally. and all you do is like go to his house and stuff. Do you know what I mean? Or like you'll occasionally go out to like your local college place and that's fine. Like that's a rite of passage. Yeah. But I feel like you have to realize that you're not turning the one night stand that you met out at the bar or at a frat party into a boyfriend. It's not going to happen. They're not looking for that. Mm-hmm. And if you do want a partner and you do want to date someone for real, I would recommend number one, not, I mean, go home with people, hook up with people, do your thing, but they're not going to date you. So don't like try to get them to, cause we usually can't change people's mind about us. Mm-hmm. Try to find those people that would actually committedly date you in other ways. I met two very serious boyfriends I had in college, one from a club and one from a class. And I think that that is like the best way to look for an actual partner. If that's what you're interested in, Mm -hmm. just because they're like, it's just the best way to do it. Like, again, those, those were the two people that I met that were like my big partners in college that I dated for a while. And I think, you know, I did not start hooking up with them before I started dating them. Like one of them took me on a date and then like weeks later we had sex. And I'm not saying you can have sex on the first date and date someone. I fully believe that like you should have sex whenever you want. But like the setup of it was how I knew he was more interested is what I'm trying to say. Right. And then the other one, we became friends first and then eventually went on a date. And then we like started hooking up immediately, but the connection was so there that we started dating. And so I think if you're really looking for a hookup, go home with the frat guys, go to the bars, take those people home, like live your truth. If you're looking for a boyfriend or a partner, definitely don't do that Um, or do that. And also look in other places. Um, I think Tinks has a box theory. That's really good about how, when people categorize you in boxes after they hook up with you based on like, whatever, like it was like, Oh, they're stuck up to me or, Oh, there's Mm -hmm. something more. Um, I think definitely look into that too. It's very applicable for college settings. (laughs) Okay. Very cool. And then I guess this is the last question being out of college now, is there anything you would have done differently or what would be like the biggest piece of advice you'd give to your college self? Yeah. So the first, the first question, no, because I really don't believe in regrets. Mm -hmm. Cause I think if you look backward and scrutinize everything we could and should have done, like you can could have and should have your way to the high heavens and you're getting nowhere because you can't change what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's okay to be like, damn it, I wish I didn't do that. Or I wish I went abroad or I wish I didn't hook up with that person or whatever. But staying there and planting your feet in that could have or should have is doing nothing for you because you can't go back. So while there are things I wish I did or didn't do, I don't try to harp on them. So I don't think there's anything I would have done differently. The piece of advice I would give myself is probably I wish that I was as positive I am now mm-hmm. in college, but there would have been no way for that to happen because I think I had to go through the low to get to the high. Yeah. Um, but because of what happened with the COVID situation, like I figured all my shit out over the pandemic and like I, I adopted the attitude I have today over the pandemic. I really, really wish that I could have been this person in college because I think I just would have had more fun. But the thing is, I if I was that this person in college, I wouldn't be this person now. Right. And so- I think my biggest advice is just embrace everything, never say no to going out, 
join clubs that you wouldn't normally join because that's where you're going to meet the people that you didn't even realize would be your best friends. Talk to people in classes if they're not virtual or even if they are, like message them on Zoom and just really live in the moment. Like don't think about your internship. Like they don't even matter. Don't think about you're going to get a job and you're going to be fine. You're going to end up in a city. You're going to end up married with kids, but like you're not there right now. So be where you are and like just enjoy it because it's so fun and you're going to you're going to miss it. Like I did really miss it. And I feel very content with my experience now. I love that advice because I think people take things a bit too seriously sometimes, especially when you're in like the stage of being in college and you're like, you don't really have any responsibilities aside from that. And it's like, mm, you don't need to worry that much. Totally. People absolutely take things too seriously. You got to let go. <laughs> 100%. Well, thank you. So- oh, wait, before I let you go, where can we find you? Yeah. So my TikTok is the jar with two R's and my Instagram is my first and last name with a period in the middle, E-L-I dot R-A-L-L-O. My podcast is called Miss Congeniality and I also have a newsletter, but all of that is linked to my Instagram page, very accessible. Okay. And I'll also put that in the description box. So thank you so much for coming on. It was so nice to meet you and chat with you. Thanks for having me. It was so fun chatting and good luck with everything. I know you're going to kill it. You seem like you have a good out on your shoulders. Thank you so much.